I, I, I want to say the, to lead a ministry, to lead a church in particular, what a challenge that is. Uh, 25 years. I pastored for 34 years total before Debbie and I went into missions ministry in 2002. And I remember um, I would resign about every three months. And I remember the ups and downs and the people going in and out and all of the things that you go through to try to lead a flock of people. How many know that sheep do a very bad, bad job being pushed? They will only be led. And every shepherd knows that you lead sheep, you don't push sheep. And because of the diversity of the body of Christ, it is a challenge to be a leader. And thank God for leaders that have been faithful for 25 years. I met them actually in 95, I believe. But thank God, thank God, thank God that you're faithful. Uh, I, this is a good illustration before I speak. A friend of mine, Eugene, Oregon, now deceased for the Lord, but pastor of a large congregation, Eugene, Oregon, Faith Center. And uh, after preaching three services, and he felt that he did not do a good job. When he went to the parking lot after the third service was over, got started to get into his pickup, he literally apologized to the Lord. And he said, I'm so sorry, I did not do a good job preaching today. And he heard the Lord say, I wasn't listening to your sermon. I was watching your faithfulness. And I thought there could not be a better illustration of the call of God on a person's life. It's not the greatness of the servants or the oratory. It is the faithfulness. Day in, day in, day out, you can be considered faithful, faithful, faithful. That is one thing required of servants. You must be found faithful. God rewards faithfulness, and he promotes faithfulness. God does not promote talent. He promotes faithfulness. And whenever you stay faithful to God in all of the ways that he has called you to, not just in your commitment to Jesus, but in all of the ways, God promotes faithfulness. Whatever you do, be faithful. The Old Testament word faith, uh, the word faith is not used in the Old Testament. Only the word faithful is. And faith that is mentioned only one time in the Old Testament is kind of a mistranslation. It means faithful. And the Old Testament knows that the basis of all faith is faithful. And I not only praise God for Richard and Paula, but I praise God for this congregation and the faithful people that have been here throughout the years. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You cannot stop the promotion. It will come. You can't stop it. I want you to know that God will see every detail of your faithfulness, and he will honor it and reward it. Well done, good and talented. Oh, excuse me. Well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well, I have three books with me today. It's because my wife went to be with Jesus in December that I do not have 25 books with us here today because uh, she is the marketer and I'm the one that stands up here and grins while she tells you about everything that she has written. These are my books that are available today, The Complete Man. Uh, this, is the, this is the new edition 
new revision from the original one called the teleos men means the same thing because the Greek word for teleos is complete, the complete perfect man. How many wives here married a perfect man? Let me see your hands. Three people, thank you. Uh, please buy a copy of this book for your husband. Aren't you glad your wife raised her hand, Rich? <laughs> that should be worth something on your vacation, Paula. The complete man, every major area of a man's life is written in this book. And I had a man say, are you sure every? And then he read the book and he said, every. So uh, this is an excellent book and an excellent curriculum for men's ministries. Debbie and I wrote this together when uh, strong personalities, when strong leaders live together. Anybody here married to a strong leader? And anybody here married to a strong personality? You want to, how many are afraid to raise your hand? Are you married to a strong personality? Uh, how many are married to a really, really, really strong personality? Let me see your hands. Both hands. Or really, 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 really ultra strong is both hands and both feet. How to lead like Jesus. How to lead. These are the principles of the man who now two billion people worldwide follow, the man from Galilee. What are the leadership principles that made Jesus the world's greatest leader is for men and women, anybody that would like to be a leader like Jesus. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. Everybody said all things. Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good. Everybody said all things. Not some things, all things. Well, it doesn't look good. Well, I had a flat tire this morning. Well, God just saved you from an accident down the road. All things work together for good. Are you aware that the God of the universe knows every detail about your life, including the hair that is on your head or those that fell off this morning before you got here? Matthew chapter 10, verse number 30. Every hair on your head has been counted. Psalm 139, 16. Every day that was accounted for your life were determined from eternity. Before you were ever born, God had already determined your years. That should release you from any form of pressure that where the devil says, you're going to die early. You can tell the devil he doesn't know because God already determined the day that I get to go see Jesus. Everything is determined by God. On the day, on the night that my dad was to pass away, they had a tradition. My mom and dad were traveling ministers. They had a tradition before they went to bed at night, dad would take his vitamin, mom would take her vitamin, he would pass them out to both of them. And on this particular night, dad said, mom, there's only one vitamin left in the bottle and I won't need it, so I'm going to give it to you. And he went to be with Jesus that night because God knows every detail down to the last vitamin. You're not going to be needing this. Say, well, that is silly. No, that's biblical. There's not anything about you that God does not know. There's not anything about anything that God does not know. If there's anything God does not know, it's because God's not God. But all things work together for good. So why can we be assured all things work together for good? If you continue those two verses, they go on to say that because he foreknew you, he already designed you that you might be like Jesus Christ, the firstborn among many brethren. And those that he foreknew and he predestined, he also called. And those that he called, he also justified. And those that he, also, that he justified, he also glorified. So that is a timeline from eternity into the present. 
from eternity. When did God know you? Ephesians 1.4, before the foundation of the earth. When did God know you? Ephesians 1.5, before the foundation of the earth. When did God know you? When did God know you? Jeremiah 1.5, before I was ever born, God called me. Galatians 1.15, before I was ever born, Paul says God called me to be an apostle. When did God know you? Jeremiah 29.11, God has a plan for your life. And if he has a plan for your life, he had to determine what that plan was before you were born. So God in his sovereignty chose to design a plan for your life. He knows when to put you on the freeway. He knows when to take you off the freeway. And he knows you how to allow you to drive. He knows when to allow you to drive in and out while you're on the freeway making those decisions. Because God does not make robots. He makes people with free will. But it is God who puts you on, and it's God who takes you off, and it's God who gives you the directions and the map for your life because he is a sovereign God. So God in his sovereignty in planning your life from eternity that knew you before you were born and designed you, Ephesians 2.10, before you were born, designed you, Romans 8.29 and 30, before you were born, designed every detail about you so that in the billions of people on the face of this earth, not one of you, one of them has your fingerprints, your DNA, not one of them on all of the globe is you except you. And God created you to be you, and there's nobody better than you because God created you to be you. And we can praise God. So that leads you down to the point that all things work together for good to those who are called of God and are chosen according to his purpose. So uh, when my son was uh, home for one of his summers from the university, our church in Pennsylvania had the two services, so in between the two services, I went back to my office, Aaron called and said, Dad, the house caught on fire. I said, well, did you call the fire department? He said, yes. I said, well, did they put it out? He said, yes. I said, well, then come on to church and bring your grandmother with you. But Debbie heard me on the phone, and she said, who is that? I said, that was Aaron. What did he want? And I said, well, he said that the house had caught on fire. Uh, and she said, what? I said, yeah, the house caught on fire, but they put it out. She said, the house is on. I said, no, they, the, the fire department put it out. It's not on fire anymore. She said, well, are you going home? And I said, no, the, the fire's out and Aaron's coming to church. She said, you're not going home? I said, no. The, the, she said, the house is on fire. No, I said, it was on fire. So why go home to see something that's already been put out? So we went to the second service there and brought my mom and came the second. We discovered that whenever my mom got up and she had lost her sense of smell through through the, her advanced age, and she had, uh, she had gone in to make breakfast, made toast, and instead of putting the toaster cover back on, she put the blender cover. And when she put it on, it depressed the handles. When it depressed the handles, it eventually caught on fire. She went into the other room and didn't know it. So it caught a little bit of the ceiling on fire, a little bit of the cabinets on fire, a little bit of the counter fire, a little bit of the uh, the cabinets below, and uh, a little bit of the flooring, enough to give us the most beautiful new kitchen. And she said, I feel so badly. I said, Mom, don't feel badly. We want you to start with the master bedroom next. 
if you could just plug in the hairdryer and leave it leave it on the bed or something like that, we could get it. I believe all things work together for good. I was to have been a tour guide this week and for the entire month of October in Israel. A couple months ago, both tours canceled. And at the time they canceled, in my mind, I thought, wow, that's going to be interesting to see why God canceled those tours that I'm not in Israel during the entire month of October. I would have arrived on October 2nd, five days before the attack, the Hamas attack. I would have been there. I can imagine, because I've been in Israel in dangerous times, none as dangerous as this, but I've been in Israel during these times where Katusha rockets were firing around me in, uh, in the no man's land of northern Israel and southern Lebanon. And I think I would have been able to walk through this trial without enormous fear, but I cannot imagine what it would be like to be responsible for a tour guide for a t complete tour of people, trying to keep them safe in a hotel. Get them I can't imagine those things, but God did. Because God has a plan for my life. And Ephesians 2.10 says, he is creating beautiful, and the Greek word is poema, which means poem. It's where we get our word poem. For God has made you a master beautiful poem, and he did it from eternity. Then Philippians 1.6 said that the God who began the work is going to finish the work. So he who began a good work is going to finish a good work in you. So God himself has a plan for your life. That master plan may not make sense to you. So whenever you look back on your life, things that don't look good, and you look back now, turned to good. So if right now something doesn't look good, it's probably because God isn't finished. Because whenever God finishes, it will be good. So a young man, 17-year-old young man by the name of Joseph, is the 11th son of his dad, Jacob. Uh, he was really, really spoiled young man. He really lived a life that was very um, favored, which is very good except his brothers hated him, which is bad. But his dad gave him a beautiful coat, more beautiful than all of the others, and the brothers loved it. Uh, the dad loved it, and the brothers hated it, which was bad. So he went to visit his brothers, and his brothers decided to throw him in the pit, which is bad. But his brother Reuben took him out of the pit, which is good. But then they sold him, the brothers, to the Ishmaelites, the Midianites, which is bad. But he was bought by the greatest person he could have ever been bought by in the land of Egypt, who was the, the head of the guard for Pharaoh himself. So the personal guard for Pharaoh hired him, which is good, except he was seduced by the man's wife, which was bad, and thrown into prison. But in prison... He was able to interpret the dreams of two people, which is good. But as soon as they got out, they forgot all about him for two years, which is bad. Until Pharaoh had a dream. And in that dream, Pharaoh said, I need to find somebody in whom is the Spirit of God. They said, we know somebody, and his name is Joseph. 
which is good, brought him out of the prison and made him ruler. Second ruler of all of Egypt, vice regent of all of Egypt. Whatever you're going through that looks bad, just wait because it's going to be turned around because it's going to be good because God doesn't finish with bad. If it's bad, God's not through. And I can prove that so easily, but you can prove it to yourself. Just look back at all the things that were, I can't believe how bad it was until you look back and say, if it had not been for that, this would not have happened. Well, I got fired from my jobs because God had a better one for you. Well, my car broke down because God had a better one for you. Well, they betrayed me because God wanted over here for the rejected stone to become the accepted stone. Had you not been rejected, you would not be accepted because it is the rule of God that the stone that the builders rejected becomes the accepted cornerstone. Not just accepted, but the cornerstone of the building. Hallelujah. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. Everybody said all. I pray the Holy Spirit allow me to take the last few minutes, bring this to a point of release for you. This is a table made out, made out of wood. It used to be a, a tree till some ruthless person got a hold of it with a chainsaw. Some of you have experienced this where literally people attacked you with a chainsaw. And I don't mean literally as in chainsaw, but I mean literally as intending to destroy you. So this was a beautiful piece of wood till somebody really got a hold of it. And then after that, they continue cutting it down, 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 down. The nails, the hammer, the sandpaper rubbing you the wrong way. Everything that God uses to produce in you a refined piece of furniture at Ark of the Covenant, the tool is going to be very ruthless, very harsh, very cruel, and I'm talking about people. Until the final sanding that is less grating and the final varnish and the final paintbrush and the final paint, everything else is rough. The hammers and the nails and those things. If there had been no hammers and nails and whips at the cross, the world would not be redeemed today. So the tools that God uses in your life, instead of cursing them, we need to praise God for them. Every negative thing that has happened has given you a testimony and has established your future. You can look back. Every single thing was a setup for your greatness. Every single thing was, every closed door was an open door. Everything that somebody did to damage you elevated you. Everything that happened that was a negative. David, the King David, had already been appointed king, had already been anointed king by Samuel, and then he was running around in the wilderness for his life for years. What was God doing? Producing character. 
he was producing character like God was producing character in Joseph while he was in the prison. Everything that Joseph needed to administrate a nation, he learned administrating in the prison. And the prison and the palace are side by side. And the things that you need to make you a success for your future have been produced by the people that did negative things to you. But have you ever praised God for that? Have you ever said, thank you, God? Had that person not done that, I would not be here. Had that not happened to me, I would have no testimony today. A young boy, 12 years of age, was set out on the street corner. <clears throat> Little boy, 12 years of age, did not have a dad, but he was placed on the street corner by his mother and said, stand here, son, I'll be coming back for you. I'll come back for you. Just wait right here. He waited two days on that same street corner. She never came back. Why? Because there was a plan that God had from eternity for this young 12-year-old boy. He didn't have a dad. Now he doesn't have a mother. He's standing on the street corner waiting for somebody that will never return. A Christian man comes by, begins to question the boy. Why are you still standing here? Took him, took him into his house, made him part of his family, took him to a camp. The boy was saved, helped pay his way through seminary. He got his degrees. This man's name today is Bill Wilson, who has the largest ministry to children in the world. So he began what is called Saturday Sunday Schools in Brooklyn. And every day, every week in multiple nations, 200,000 children are trained the Word of God because God saw a boy on a street corner and the street corner was part of the plan. So the boy who had no parents became the parent to hundreds of thousands of children that needed a godly man. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. 1972, I was in Munich, Germany, listening to a lady speak by the name of Corey Ten Boom. Some of you may have seen the movie or read the, read the book called The Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom is known for having hidden over a hundred Jewish peoples and helped them to escape out of Nazi Germany. On 28th of February in 1944, the Nazis burst down their door, came in, arrested Corey Ten Boom. She was in her 50s at the time, arrested Corey, arrested her dad, Casper, arrested her sister, Betsy, arrested her nephew and her brother. The Nazis killed all of the family members, but Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom at Robinsbrück concentration camp in Germany was issued a number that was an incorrect number. Somehow, of course, we know that it is God. 
gave her the number of somebody that was to be released instead of somebody that was to be killed. So with her prisoner identification number, she was able to walk out, the only person, the only person of her family that would not be killed. I listened to her in 1972, and she gave an illustration of a tapestry or an, uh, an embroidery piece. <clears throat> and in that embroidery piece, you see all the threads, all the designs, all of the crazy colors going every which way. And I looked at that and I thought, Corey, uh, you need to stick to preaching. This is the ugliest piece of embroidery work I have ever seen. It was just horrible. And I, I looked at that and I thought, I, I just can't understand why you would show this. And she said, it's because it's like your life. Because all the threads don't make sense. The design doesn't make sense. The, the threads going in and out, the colors that don't have any scheme to it or, or pattern to it. She said, because that's the side that we look at, but that's the back side. This is the back side, but this is the front side. This is the side that God sees. Leave it up there for a minute. In April... On the Thursday before uh, Easter, I dropped my mother-in-law off to get her hair done, and I was going to spend a half hour reading one of my theology books in the book in the uh, Starbucks. Went there, and a man came up and said, "What do you read?" I said, "A book on theology." He said, "I want to meet you," and he told me his name. He's a local pastor. He said, "I've been wanting to meet you." He walks away. Another man comes up says, what are you reading? I said, a theology book. He said, I've written 103 of the, 106 of these, and I've sold 103 million. I said, of these? What do you mean? He said, Christian books. I said, what's your name? He said, Mike Evans. I said, I know you. I met you decades ago. He's a leader in the Messianic Jewish community. I met you years ago, decades ago. He said, what's your name? And I said, Larry Titus. He said, you're my hero. He said, where, where, what's your schedule? Where are you going next? I said, well, I leave for Holland tomorrow on Friday. I'll be speaking on Easter Sunday in Holland. He said, you need to go see the Cory ten Boom Museum in Harlem, which is not more than 15, 20 minutes outside of Amsterdam. I said, I've already planned to go there on Tuesday. He said, well, good. I'll call the director and have an English tour guide for you. I said, great. He said, I own the Cory Ten Boom Museum. So five days before I'm going to see the Cory Ten Boom Museum, I'm given the opportunity to meet the director and the owner of it and the English tour. But I walked into the dining room and I saw this that I have not seen for 51 years, and I have talked about this all over the world, God's plan for your life. I saw this tapestry for the first time in 51 years. I want you to understand that God that knows my life from eternity knows, me, knows how to connect me to the tapestry that I've been preaching about for 50 years. God is the same God that knows my life 
everything that I've been through, he's the same one that has established a goal and a plan to bless me and not to curse me. He has established a plan in my life to establish his kingdom and his rule and his authority in and through me and to take the ashes that I went through and produce in them the global ministry that I have today because God has a plan for you. As we close our service today, I want to do something. I want you to, I want you to begin to think about your life. I want you to begin to think about all of the injuries that you've gone through, things that people have done to you, the threads that don't make sense, the colors that don't make sense, the scheme, the lack of design, the lack of clarity. I can't, I don't understand what's going on, God. I thought I was doing your will. He said, you are. Well, then why did this happen? He said, because I'm setting you up for the next revelation and my promotion. If you read carefully the scriptures, trials come from God, not the devil. James 1, 1 Peter 1, trials, are you listening? Come from God and not the devil. Temptation comes from the devil. Count it all joy when you have trials. Whatever it is, something negative happens at that moment, begin to praise God. Because on the ashes of that calamity or failure or disaster or disappointment, God will build something in your life. God knows how to take the things that look negative, reverse them. He knows how to take you from the pit and the prison to the palace. God has a design for you, and it's all related to elevating you to your success. But you have one responsibility. It is to praise God for the people that hurt you. To forgive them the tools that God has used to make you who you are. Well, you don't know what I went through. Well, you would have no testimony if it had not been for what you went through. You would have no ability to see God's success. If you had no cross, there would be no resurrection and no redemption. And it's through your injuries that God's going to heal people. But you have to say, praise God for those that hurt me. The dads that deserted you, the people that abused you, the people that deliberately betrayed you. Now that means there's gonna be a whole lot of people that I need to say thank God for the tools that you used. So we're going to just take a few minutes here and I'm going to invite you to the front so we can be released today forever from the injury and praise God for those that injured, because God is making a crowd. Genesis 50, 20, they meant it for evil. God meant it for good. The men, the women that were injured by somebody, the youth that were injured by somebody, the people that tried to destroy, the people that tried to hurt. It could be sexual molestation. It could be physical harm. It could be 
One man showed me his back, solid scars from where he had been beaten as a child. Doesn't matter what it is, we're going to find healing today. We're going to find healing maybe in your marriage. I need to forgive. Something happened in my marriage. I need to forgive. I need to set somebody free today. Praise God. Just sing the chorus. I want some more time so people can respond as the Lord speaks to you.